Hi guys, welcome to Jack of All Trades. I'm Sebastian Mila. I'm Thomas Montesno. With this show, we hope to bring you all the hot topics around the world and some of those that are less known. We hope to keep it fresh, funny, factual, and a bit controversial. So Thomas, first story I have, big news internationally and here in our own country. Uh, Christian Wade, an ex-England winger for the um, rugby league, the NFL, uh, now joins the NFL with the Buffalo Bills. Now, it's something we've seen um, in recent years, and specifically, this is because of the International Player Pathway Program run by the NFL, which, you know, allocates every year to a specific um, division some players, you know, who want to, in a sense, join the NFL. This year, it's the uh, AFC East who has this. So what are your thoughts on specifically Christian Wade joining the NFL and the Buffalo Bills, but maybe some of the guys who've previously done it? Well, we've seen this type of certain move with, you know, rugby players coming to the NFL, CFL players coming to the uh, NFL as well. We saw um, about a year ago and so um, that the Vikings drafted a uh, CFL player and rugby player um, past season. So this move is unique in a sense, like you mentioned um, but I think the interesting part to this all is how the NFL is um, growing internationally. Expanding their market. Ex- right, right, right. And so, but when, you, when we talk about the Buffalo Bills, I think this is more of a disparity move, you know, kind of bring more of an entertainment value. What do you mean specifically? Because, first of all, Buffalo Bills, um, they're a franchise that hasn't achieved any type of success. Yeah. And so, I think this is a way for the Buffalo Bills to expand their market, expand their global outreach. Um, but I think they could, this could be a positive move because, you know, rugby players are athletes as well. You know, they can move. And, you know, rugby is not so different from NFL. Yeah. I mean, from football as a whole. You know, to me, the only difference is in the sense is that rugby players, if you watch the sport, you cannot throw it, you know, ahead. You, you can't throw it forward. The pass cannot go forward. Right. It's always backwards. And obviously it's less protection, but they're not hitting each other with as such, you know, yeah. such force because they're closer to each other at all times Absolutely. in a sense. But it's still, nonetheless, a contact sport, just as brutal as football. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at these guys, these guys are freaks of nature. These legs are massive. You know, their upper bodies are strong. Right. Um, these guys can easily compete in the NFL. It's just transitioning, I think, more the skill set, you know, the, the style of play, the game. But the physicality and the nature that these guys are built like, right. I think they can I think compete. It's, I think um, game of football is the easiest sport to adapt to. Yes. But... Um, those who are great at what they do, come, it comes with experience. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, with and it this, comes with that size and physicality, of Right, course. right. So that gives him an advantage to a sense, but that experience is going to come you know, when he kind of gets his foot wet in the NFL. You know. And I agree with the part that you're saying that it's uh, the easiest to transition to because, to me, football is a very strategic sport. It's a very functional sport in the sense that, yes, you need a minimum talent in the sense to get in. Right. You know, like you need good hands if you're a receiver, you need speed if you're a running back, vision if you're a quarterback, I get that. But you also need the minimum talent of size and athletic ability, being a freak of nature in a sense. Right. A football player who's on average around six foot four, 200 plus pounds and pure muscle is not going to be the same body type as a basketball player, obviously, sure. or a soccer player. But the thing is, once you have those things under your arsenal, it's in a sense easy to transition to football because it's a strategic sport that runs a lot of routes, a lot of plans, and it's, it's almost like chess in a sense that everything's planned out. So if you can just adapt to that plan well, 
then you should have no problem playing the sport. No question about it. Now, one thing that's really interesting is all the um, international players who have joined the NFL. And I do like how they're expanding, trying to grow the sport, and get other people to join because a lot of people abroad do like the sport. It's just not accessible. Right. So give me a, can you run through some of the guys who have joined the league maybe? Yeah, the, uh, Austra- there was a, an Australian running back, you know, wide receiver kick returner guy who, uh, who got linked up with the uh, New York Jets. And then we had also a Brazilian defensive uh, tackle, Derval Nito, who signed with the Miami Dolphins. And then we, like I mentioned earlier, um, a German tight end, um, Jacob Johnson, um, who signed with the New England Patriots. He also joined the NFC East, um, NFC AFC East team as well. So absolutely, I think that I think all these different international. Um, international moves will make a huge difference um, in the NFL and their global Not market. Not just talent, but yeah, global market. Absolutely. Expanding. Absolutely. Well, now expanding to a new sport. Um, Tiger Woods, Augusta National, and the Masters. Just a game of golf. Um, what are your thoughts on Tiger Woods? Like, who does he... How does he represent as a golfer to you? Like, what, what do you consider him in his prime and today? Can you compare well, him? Tiger Woods, greatest you know, greatest golfer of all time, um, you know, due to due to so many setbacks personally and the so forth. Um, yeah, absolutely. The I didn't expect him to make this kind of comeback. You know, it was kind of near impossible with I his didn't really back expect him to even play anymore. Yeah, honestly. but this shows the resilience and uh, true. You know, this is where what when we see true athletes coming to fruition, and Tiger Woods is the uh, complete definition of it. Um, do I do I agree with his politics? No, I don't agree with his politics. But Tiger Woods as an athlete is someone is someone where we can all look up to and say, you know, that's you know, to me in the game of golf you had the Arnold Palmer's, Jack Nicholson's, um, those are the type of guys I think that Tiger Woods falls in a category with. Yeah. The only thing is, look, in every sport, you have those guys who like Michael Jordan in basketball, they played top level for a long, long time. LeBron James now, some may say. And then they go to a new team at the end because they might not be able to compete with the team they were once with for such a long time. And they don't perform to the same level that they once were and that you idolize them at. And a problem that happens is that we forget, in a sense, we get that lasting image of who he was at the end and we forget about who he was in his prime. I see this happening a lot with Tiger Woods right now. He hasn't won anything since 2008 in the U.S. Open. He's a 14-time major champion, but his last win at Augusta National was in 05. And he hasn't won any four majors since claiming the one, like I just said, in 2008. This week, you know, April 11th through the 14th, um, is when Augusta National is happening. He's back from his back surgery. You know, he says he's back in form. He's feeling special after, after the win at the Tour Championship and, and competing at the U.S. Open and PGA Championship. But he's 43 years old. And I think he's trying to get back to a point where he once was before all these issues happened and injuries that I don't really know if he can reach. And I don't know if he should continue. Well, in golf, age is nothing but a number in golf, you know? Yes, you see, but again, you it's all see, injuries too. Right. But I think, you know, he's come up short in a few of... Um, you know, like the Masters and so forth. But I think, um, we, but he has won invitationals as a late. Yes, you know? yeah. So I think, Tiger, of course, he would not be the Tiger Woods of old, 
But we will see glimpses of Tiger Woods when we look at you know, him swinging the golf and say, that was the Tiger Woods of the old. So, so I think Tiger Woods, I think him just being on the golf course just makes a huge difference in golf. Um, I wouldn't watch golf unless you know, Tiger Woods is, yeah. you know. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting characters, too, in golf. I mean, it's a sport... That is interesting, yeah. but Jordan Speed, it's, it's Rory, different. Yeah. Now, with Wood specifically, he had four surgeries in, in the recent years, and actually, he's climbed up to twelfth overall in the world rankings. You know, um, that's pretty impressive. Obviously, even if he's a fraction of what Tiger Woods in his prime once was, he might be able to still compete for the Masters and for these top tournaments only because, right now, currently, in the top eleven, none of them have won the Masters. Mm-hmm. Which means right now he's in a competition field where all these guys are very young and inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And just because he because Tiger Woods is very experienced, even if he's a fraction of what he once was, he might be able to beat out these guys because of that experience. Even if he's not as quote-unquote talented as these other guys right now. Right. So, I mean, I think this right here is his final shot for a big, big, you know, final win in a sense. But after that, I, I think it's it's time to hang it up, in a sense. You? Well, I think he, he will only determine how far he wants his career to be. Of course. But I think um, he, will, he will know when the time is right to hang it up. Um, I don't think it will be any time soon. But maybe, you know, in the next few years, he will probably make that decision relatively soon. So. Absolutely. Well, moving on to a new decision. Thomas, tell me about what's going on in the women's soccer world. Well, the members of the un- this has been an ongoing conversation where the uh, United States Women's National Team um, negotiated their current uh, collective bargaining agreement with the U.S. Soccer in 2017. Um, they secured what seemed to be a uh, very significant victory on match bonuses. Um, also, in addition, those bonuses increased as much as a sixfold for uh, winning certain games. The players, the players, no longer need to win to collect an extra pay. So. What are your thoughts on that, specifically, just get, garnering some more money for these women? I think it's huge. I mean, talking domestically, um, not even abroad, I think the United States women's national team is more of a um, marketing tool that... Oh, absolutely. Um, more, <laughs> the more, than, more than the men's. I mean, we have At least young, we make the World Cup. Right. And so, they're always a contender for the um, World Cup. I they're ranked number one, usually, right. always. Right. And so... I think the women's. I think I, when I watch World Cup, I watch women's. I don't even watch, tend to watch the men's playing. Yeah, so. at least the the U.S. Yeah, of course. Now, to me, um, I'll give you. I'll give you a little backstory. For example, here in the U.S., the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, you know, where where, you know, players of women's soccer play for clubs, not yeah. for the national team, but clubs. The average pay there is twenty three thousand a year, right? That is not livable. It's not. It's really not. I mean, that's way beyond the national average and near poverty line, in a sense. So, now that, that's just a league run by the United States. So, that is not where this change is coming. This change is coming in the national, I mean, the international scale. So, with this, like you said, it increases six times. But there is some setback with this that not a lot of people are realizing. Um, there is a compromise in the sense that they're giving away some guaranteed compensation when they sign their contracts and, and when they go into this new uh, season with the national team from their salaries in exchange for higher per- for performance bonuses. This is where the money's coming, performance bonuses. Now, in a sense, it's good because 
um, let's say with each each win they get, mm. each player, each individual player would get as much as eighty five hundred dollars, eight thousand five hundred dollars. But they don't just have to win to get bonuses. They can also get bonuses with ties. So, you know, it depends. In a, if they're in a World Cup, you play at a minimum eight games plus. At the end of it, they're almost coming away with a little bit over sixty thousand dollars, which right. that's two, three, four years worth of playing in the in the club. You know, so it's not a great system yet, but it's definitely an improvement from many years ago when Hope Solo came out and started talking about women should get the same amount as men. Yeah. My question to you specifically, taking this into consideration and others, not just soccer, but all women's sports, do you think women's sports should earn the same as men? And give me some examples of yes or no. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not all sports are equal, but what right. are your thoughts? Uh, man, this is a tough discussion to be had. I think um, when you talk about, for example, basketball, my sport, my favorite sport, basketball, um, for me, I'm a person, I'm a purist. So I like to see basketball, whether it's men's, women's, in the college basketball, yeah. NBA. So like, if, if you're a basketball fan, I would love to watch Kansas Parker play. I would love to watch all these you know, young players in the WNBA. Pretty grinder, yeah. Yeah. So as, like I said, as a purist, I think women, women and men's, but it depends on the sport as well, right? And also it comes... Also comes with the entertainment value that these um, women play. Then what do you think? Yeah, it, it's tough because. In, in your honest opinion, do you think women's basketball should earn the same as men's basketball? Let's give you that specific. Of course, they will, obviously they won't be. But able do you to, think they should? They should, yes. And why do you think so? Because I think um, their their talent speaks for themselves. You know, although it's just a system that has kind of put them back, where they're not able to get their full full money potential. Um, the reason why these WNBA players have to go overseas is because the WNBA is not giving them money that you know and they look, deserve. I agree. I think women's sports should get the same as men's sports, but they should have look. They should have the same opportunity to get the same. Right. The problem is, and unfortunately, it won't change for a while. I think is the fact that women's sports will not ever get the same as men's sports. In this current day and age, because it all comes down to business, it all comes down to entertainment, the value, television rights. There's so many political things that go into it. Look, these other women's sports, maybe with the exception of women's soccer, they're not drawing in, you know, the same as men. As I think specifically in basketball is the largest disparity between the WNBA and NBA. I think that's the largest one. I mean, you hear all these jokes, even from NBA players and people in the industry. Oh, who do, who wants to watch? women's basketball I don't want to watch that you know, like it's boring you know all that type of stuff me for example I think the closest ones should be tennis should be golf yes those are sports where the performance level is the same in a sense there's talent in every level you have the Car- Caroline Wozniakis um, you have Serena Williams, Williams Venus Williams of course um, even now with uh, Naomi um, yeah, Osaka, Naomi, Osaka yeah. yeah there's a lot of talent don't get me wrong but they're also raking in people to come to those matches. They're also raking in, you know, the money. Right. Now, the other thing with tennis is, though, when you go pay for a tennis match and you go to watch, they mix them. So a lot of times you'll see men's games and women's games on the same card, in a sense. Mm. Just like boxing. On the same card, you'll see men's and women's fights. So you're going there for both, in a sense. 
if you have to choose between NBA or WNBA, you're paying a ticket to go see one or the other. And more than likely, most people choose to watch the men play over the women. So I think it's not just do I agree that they should get the same money? It's do they really deserve it based on what they're raking in attendance-wise, performance-wise, and entertainment-wise? Yeah, we're talking about the uh, tennis aspect of what you were talking about. I think um, um, I, I saw this recent, um, like more of a historical context, yeah. where um, Billie Jean King, right, in uh, September 20, uh, 1973, um, it, was called, it was a battle of the sexes where she had to um, go against a man, and she won. And so that was a conversation. See, Billie oh, yeah, Jean yeah. King, who is, you know, a legend, a, an advocate, sport. yeah, an advocate for women's rights and, you know, Title IX and so forth. Um, Billie Jean defeated a, t- a man, tennis player, Bobby Riggs, in a widely publicized exhibition tennis match that was dubbed the power of the sexes. And so when you talk about tennis and, you know, those other sports, I think if you have the skill set, if you have the talent, there's no question. But it's a system that has perpetuated you know this yeah, yeah, I agree. it's a double standard in a sense in today's world i mean we believe that men's sports and men and men are more athletic than women but yeah at the end of the day it's 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 an ever-changing world and i don't know i just believe that the opportunity should be the same for them to earn the same yeah yeah but again you can't just give money out because you feel like it right. you need in a sense you know but some of the a money, reason why that money should be coming in. But some of the money that these uh, men's you know, men's players are getting, it's like absurd. You see, it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely absurd. It's not absurd. necessary at all. It's, right. So I mean, look at baseball. It's like ridiculous. they can at least get one. Like women's women's players can at least get one third of what. Here's the other thing. Are, it's not just about entertainment. It's not about just performance, and it's not just about attendance. It's about who's investing in these sports. People in the NBA, for example. They have a, all, those, all those people up at the top, the investors, the GMs, the presidents, the owners, all that. It's all a click. They all yeah. run it together. But they're all investing only in the men's side of the sport. Right. Those are the people who can invest also in the WNBA. And, you know, whether it be build better stadiums, uh, give out better things at games, whatever it may be. Right. Those things draw people in. And if you give a bigger show, because this is all, sports is just entertainment. It's all a show. If you give a bigger show, more people are going to turn out and turn up for these matches, whether on television or in, in, in live. Yeah. And that's what brings you in money. But if you're not investing, then there's nothing that can be done. No question about it. Well, moving on to what's done. Um, D. Wade and Dirk Nowitzki call it quits. Um, the farewell tour. Uh, Dirk really had, didn't have a farewell tour, but he announced after the game... That he was hanging it up, and most of us knew it. Right. But I don't think he wanted, you know, the the same praise. He just wanted to play. D Wade has his farewell tour. Um, he's cashing out of D Wade County. Um, but it's been a good run. What do you What do you see from these two players, and just where do these guys fall on on the all time list well, to you? Two two legends in their respective rights. Um, I think uh, I think what Derek. He didn't want the you know festivities in, but everyone knew around NBA circles this was going to be course, his last yeah, season. Yeah. And the way, um, and then we saw yesterday where LeBron, the way uh, LeBron, Chris Paul, Carmelo came out for his last um, NBA game with yes. against the Brooklyn Nets. So I think um, this whole everything that's going on going on around these uh, two NBA players, two legends, two Hall of Fame players, two NBA champions, are everything that they deserve, um, and m- more more than that as well. So. I agree. I mean, I think these two guys shaped 
the culture of basketball that we have. I mean, like we talked about in recent weeks, um, Dirk Nowitzki, the influx of foreign-born players coming into this country and playing and performing at a top level. He's one of those first to really have a historic, historic career and easily a Hall of Fame career, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, he's also the type of player who really started the trend for big men shooting threes and shooting from distance and not just posting up and locking it in in the box, but actually taking it out and creating space. And D. Wade, being one of the most prolific shooting guards of all time, um, I don't think he's gotten as much praise. I mean, like, yes, he's 29th all-time in points. He just passed uh, Elgin Baylor. And most people thought that would be higher points-wise, but he's not. He, yes, he was a good scorer, don't get me wrong, but he did so much more than just that. Right. Passer, you know, he's, he's, he's just a, a playmaker. So For a guy who came into the league that young and then three or four years um, in 2006 to win an NBA championship, I mean, it just spoke to the greatness that this kid had, the mentality that um, Dwayne Wade had. Um, but I think, well, I think it was due time. I think with Dwayne Wade, is, he still got juice in him. You yeah. know, if he went to play another year, he would, you know, he had but that he wants to, I think he wants to end it at the height. In no a question. Sense. He didn't want it to be pushed like, out. Like I said before with these other things where we talked about uh, Tiger Woods, how, again, you know, these players play so highly and then they... Start declining, Disappear. and they play too long declining that we remember them for that and not who they once were in Absolutely. their prime. D-Wade's not going to make that mistake. And he's got more to think about than just basketball now. Yeah, I think these, you know, Derek and uh, Wade, they're both are going to be basketball ambassadors for the future. Yeah, and Hall of Famers easily. Yeah. Um, moving on. Um, also keeping in the basketball theme, Magic Johnson, Lakers. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, as president of basketball operations, this was... This done many around NBA circles, even it's done LeBron as well. This was unexpected. I saw an article recently that um, Paul, uh, Rich Paul, LeBron James' agent, they just had discussions of, like last week with Jeannie Buzz, Magic, Magic Johnson, yeah. and you know the whole Lakers executive team. And so this was quite surprising because, you know, Magic Johnson, who didn't have a conversation prior to announcing announcing it to the press and media members. It was all out of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, um, he was emotional about it. He, he said he didn't feel like, you know, the Magic Johnson. You know, he wasn't, he's so used to getting, you know, all, so much admiration, praise, and, you know, and he also talked about how, you know, um, the Ben Simmons issue where there was, you know, tampering, and he also said that, you know, he got a phone call from Serena Williams to join his, to join her executive team. So he, he wasn't able to do so many things that he was accustomed to doing due to the fact that he was in the executive position in the NBA, well, NBA team. So Here's my thoughts, too, is that I've heard a lot of things and a lot of read a lot of articles that, yes, he was present when the cameras were there, but he wasn't that invested. Like, he had many other things on his plate besides the Lakers. Yeah. Um, there's word from his office, from the, you know, executive board over there, that his office was empty most of the time he wasn't there physically you know if something happened of course he'd take the call or or come fly to la or wherever maybe to handle the issue but he had so many other things on his plate that the lakers were not his number one priority and maybe this factored into it as well and maybe it factored into why things didn't go as planned because no matter what to have a plan you need to see it through and follow it and if you're not fully invested in it i don't think it can happen i mean 
Jenny Buss knew exactly what she was getting out of Magic Johnson. She knew that she was on, he was the owner of the uh, the the um, the uh, LA team, the LA soccer team. She knew that he was the owner of the LA Dodgers team. She knew she had some he had so many business assets. So she knew what she she was getting herself into. But Magic Johnson, um, like you said, he has so many investments, and I heard that you know like Rob Palinka, the uh, general manager. Like sometimes when there was practice and so forth, he would be like, "Where's Magic?" You know, as a joke. Yeah. But it kind of spoke to the tension, you know, the backstabbing and stuff like that within Absolutely. the Lakers organization, which he felt like, you know, wasn't wasn't right. But I think I think this will. I think the thing that he could hang his hat on is bringing LeBron to the Lakers. That's a huge thing. Um, whether we see another big star coming to LA anytime soon. Will be interesting. Domino effect at this point, and right. he started it. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, moving on. Um. Now to the NCAA, the women's side of basketball. Muffet McGraw. Um. Tell me about her. Well, she's a, so a conversation uh, being uh, talked about around NC, the NCAA and the women's side of it is uh, Notre Dame women's basketball head coach Muffet McGraw. Um. She had a news conference where she talked during the women's final four, where she talked about how female coaches should be coaching female players only and that men should not be coaching co- should be coaching female players but we've seen you know Junior Ariyama and, and so many other great men men coaches who have been coaching women players succeed what do you think about this whole situation and whether or to not me, women coaches should be coaching this is stupid like honestly now, now it's a double standard because NFL there's not enough uh, me- there's not enough women in there oh well women shouldn't be in the locker room all this type of stuff it's all BS. Now that the NFL is having uh, women, you know, at, you know, coaching on the, on the staff, not head coaches yet, but whether they're trainers or assistant coach or whatever it may be, oh, now we're making progress. Now, in, in now this is an issue in the du- in NCAA and women's side is that, oh, we have too many men, not enough women coaching women. I don't see it as an issue. I mean, yes, I think there should be more women in executive roles. For example, in, in Fortune 500 companies, there's less than 4% of women in the top managerial position in Fortune 500 companies. And this is a debate that goes on all the time, and not just sports. But here, I don't think it's an issue of, oh, the, the, male, lock, the male coach shouldn't be in the locker room, all this type of stuff. It, 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 I mean, you, you change, you do what you got to do, and then he comes in and, and coaches. It's, it's a coach. Gino R.E.M. is a great example of that, one of the most prolific coaches in history. I mean, I don't see why it's an issue. Well, she, I think she's more talking about the systematic systematic issue behind it. Like what? Because, we, well, I think for me, my perspective on it is, it is different to see a men's, like, she, I think she's talking more about the personal side of it, where, like, men coaches being in, like, a woman's locker room, where men coaches are not able to relate to those women who are going out and playing and their experiences. And so what she's saying is, with Junior Ariyama, he's the only men coach on the staff. Yeah, he has all women. Well, I agree all with that. I agree staff, that you know it should saying? be. I agree it shouldn't be one or the other completely. Like I don't think I. I don't agree with her aspect that it should only be an all women's team. Right. And I don't agree with that it should be an all men's team. It should be a diverse team. But I don't see that it being an issue if a man or a woman is at the top managerial position as the head coach, as long as there is one or the other of the opposite gender on that team. Because, yes, I agree. If a situation comes up where these women have something that a man obviously would not understand, 
then the woman assistant coach or head coach, whoever is in that role, right. should address it. But I think it has to be diverse. I don't think there should be one or the other only. A diversity of thought. I think that's uh, huge. Yeah. But I think, <laughs> like, when you talk about the NFL, you know, we saw Sarah Thomas be the first, um, you know, she's the first NFL referee. We saw so many different coaches. The Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals. Um, Cardinals. And we also had uh, Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians. He just signed two assistant uh, women, uh, assistant coaches. So it's not bad. It's not, I think it's more take away the personal side of it. I think it's more about if you have a skill of the game, if you know the game, I mean, there's no, there's a place for I you. agree. If you have the talent, the skill, the IQ, all that, you should not have any mm. problem with whoever you are, man or woman. Yeah. If you are the best person for the job, no matter what job it is, you're talking sports and politics and every type of job there is out there, if you're the best person for that job, I don't care what the hell you are, all right? <laughs> Seriously, I'm dead serious. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. Time for us to shut the hell up. I think we did enough today. Talked a little bit about everything. Um, some hot topics, but um, that's it for us. So I'm Sebastian Milo. I'm Tom Smith. So. Don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms and streaming on Apple Music, YouTube, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in to Jock of All Trades. Appreciate See you all you next guys. week. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.